Blog Talk Radio. All power to the people. All power to the people. This is the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination. I got the, my panel, the Panther 48 on, again with us tonight. As always, our national chairman's brother Yanga Nkrumah, national director of operations, Sister Seven Khadijah, and I'm the national trooper staff, Brother War. And I want to let guests know that they can call in and listen to the show and press 1 if they want to be a part of the show at a point to where we're discussing some uh, situations where people may be able to jump in. The phone number to call in directly is 323-870-4191. Again, that's 323-870-4191, and you just press 1 to be placed into the queue. And today, our series of mirrors are, we're going to be talking about the recognition of patterns through power, puppeteering, and political codependency. Now, obviously, this is going to take a twist because this wouldn't be the mirror's eye unless we also looked at things in, in terms of the applications of what's going on today. So let's talk about what constitutes true political power, as we say, all power to the people in the Panther Party. The Black Panther was a symbol that, that allowed black voters to identify with candidates most suited to addressing the needs of the local structure because the great percentage of the black community at that point in time was illiterate because education was an option back then. The point to this is, as it applies to today's message, is the symbol of recognition because the Panther was a symbol of recognition. And so we're going to get into that. Organizations like SNCC assembled in Lyles County, Alabama, and other areas across the U.S. to promote voting, and becoming involved in the political process, knowing that our people did not take part in the operations of governance, even though we may have had communities that prospered, law enforcement and judicial community was mostly locked out of the hands of black people. That's what we got to keep in mind with that. And the control of the day-to-day manner in which the communities works, this is something that caused us to continue to deal with oppression in the way that, in the way that it amounted itself. So with that in mind, let's reference the Black Panther Party's 3Ds. I always like to get into this. Our 3Ds is define, develop, and defend. And no matter what formation of Panthers you come from, those are some basic principles that we all apply across the board. So today I want to deal with the first D and provide a few definitions so we can operate from the same language format to bring home a message. And that's real critical and important, people, that we understand that you have to have a common definition as you're moving forward with, with any subject matter, anything that you're discussing, so that everyone can have a, a means of communicating and making sure we're talking the same language. So with the first thing being breaking down recognition, which is the awareness of to recall, and call gets into which is the, ident- the identification of something having been previously seen, heard, or known. But recognition by definition does not always mean firsthand experience. That's where we get hung up. In fact, most recognitions come by way of association. For example, in most modern produced sci-fi movies, the characters on the screen are computer-generated animations and not real human beings recorded over video but we recognize the computer-generated animations as human beings playing a role. That use of the word recognition does not imply that these are real human beings. But if you don't know better, you'll find yourself accepting the computer-generated data as real-world experience. The more we turn to telecommunications broadcasts, a.k.a. TV, the narrow the bandwidth becomes between reality and fiction. And this is what we face with. These are the repercussions of what we're dealing with today, people. So that recognition, again, does not mean factual or reality. But it becomes that reality because our perception gets screwed. Now, what is a pattern? A combination of sequence in image, movement, texture, sound, taste, qualities, acts, tendencies, etc forming a consistent or characteristic arrangement. The problem with patterns is the tendency to rely on habitual patterns as the next 
next thing in order. For example, if a boxer is throwing a one-two combination five times in a row, most likely you are habitually expecting that same pattern to happen the sixth time. But that's when you wake up from getting knocked out because he switched it up on you. It is that expectation of the same recognition, again, that leads you to identify the pattern that was not yet unfinished, but still had the elements of repetition. So these elements of repetition leads us to the next set of definitions. Now, the first two things we talked about was recognition and pattern. These dealt with uh, cognitive awareness, which is basically open the doorway for neuro-linguistic programming, a.k.a. NLP. A lot of y'all might not be familiar with that, so I advise you to look up NLP, neuro-linguistic programming again, because we're talking about now how the mind operates and how the mind works. So when it, as it applies to recognition, as it applies to patterns, these are things that form in the mind. And as a result of that, they create a perception. This perception is what we're going to get into based on today's uh, discussion. Okay, so another aspect of that is power. Now, as it applies to what we're talking about, power from a personal personnel control perspective. So power is the ability to do or act, capable of doing or accomplishing something through will. That's the key word, accomplishing it through will. The possession of authority, of control or command over others via Positional, informational, situational, relational, punitive or coercive, prismatic, just to name a few. So the thing called power is often exchanged for protection, governance, or guidance. Let's keep that in mind as we move forward, that we exchange our power. In other words, we often grant individuals dominance over the collective by pledging over our national I'm sorry, our natural-born rights in exchange for civil liberties. Most of us do not realize that that's what we do. But that's the whole point of a birth certificate, and that's a whole different conversation for another day. But keep that in mind, that we tend to give over our power. And that leads us to puppeteering, a person which is a person who manipulates and controls people without the awareness of the direct application of the, of the control. Let me say that again. It is when you don't, you're not aware of the direct application of the control, thereby not able to identify the strings of control. Because we get, on a, on a, on a, on a high level, we all get that the government is, is there and that politicians are puppeteers. The problem with that is we're not able to identify how the applications are being used on us, which goes into the weaponization that we always talk about here on on our program. And if you can't identify how something is being weaponized against you, then you can't fight it. And from that standpoint, if you can't identify the strings of control again, then there's no way for you to form a weapon against it. The last thing we want to talk about in terms of the definitions here is codependency, which is a relationship in which person, a person is physically, psychologically addicted or conditioned to a specific pattern that renders them incapable of operating from a position of self-control. That's key to everything we're talking about, the codependency, because a lot of us, the majority of us, at any given time, does not identify with the dysfunctionality of being codependent upon a system, regardless of whatever that system is. I myself can, can relate to that. All of us can relate to that. There's always some aspect in our lives to where we have been too codependent on something. So with this groundwork laid, let's get into some of the things that are plaguing us today and move into the Repercussives, I'm sorry, repercussive aspects of the COVID-19. Now I'm going to turn it over to Brother Syke and let him give us a little bit on the history and the origin to the scientific outbreak footprint of COVID-19. Ahead, All right, thank you, Brother Peace. <clears throat> Peace. 
before I get into that, I want uh, uh, you kind of touched me with some of the definitions you just gave, and I just wanted to say something real quick on them. Uh, I, I, I love to quote this because I think it's very important that Hewitt P. Newton once said that power, that, that the beginning of power is the, is the ability to define phenomenon. Basically, your ability to put a definition on whatever phenomenon, or whatever thing that you're seeing, smelling, tasting, or touching, or hearing, that ability to put a definition on it uh, uh, creates your ability to control that thing, at least mentally, at least psychologically, your understanding, your perception of it. And he said that that is the beginning of power, and and, and I believe in that 100%. You yourself just said uh, that a lot of times in society that people give up power uh, to governments basically for security so they can feel safe for safety. And, you know, one of the things you got to understand about giving up power for security, the most secure place on the planet is prison. That's why they call it maximum security. A person in prison is, secu- is secured with a place to lay his head at night, three meals a day and everything else. He don't have no electric bill, water bill, anything, no personal responsibilities, but he also has absolutely positively no liberty. So I think that, that, that I just wanted to make that quick, quick point. I'm not going to get too boring and a scientific breakdown of what the COVID-19 is, but essentially, this is what scientists say. In December 2019, China informed the world's government that it had an outbreak of a, of a deadly disease spread throughout China. And the world government essentially had the opportunity to act then to try to limit the spread of this thing. Now, viruses are nothing new to the human being. Every virus at some point in time when we first came in contact with it was deadly in, in some way, form, or fashion. And then well, the reason why it's deadly in the beginning is because I, if our immune system has never had contact with it in the first place, then I knew that we haven't developed the proper immunity and the proper defense to that, to that disease, to that, to that virus. And so, therefore, it's deadly in the beginning. They call that the, the, uh, the fast outbreak. It's deadly in the beginning. At some point in time in the future, COVID-19 is not going to be as deadly uh, uh, as it is right now, just like the flu is not as deadly to us as it was when we first had contact with it. But uh, according to scientists, they say that uh, that this COVID-19 came out of uh, Chinese markets, that the Chinese essentially uh, go get all these wild animals, animals that we've never had contact with, and they'll bring these wild animals, some from Africa, some from Australia, some from Asia, and they put them all in the same room in cages. A lot of these animals have never had contact with each other before. And just like human beings, animals have viruses. So when an animal is in contact with another animal's virus that it's never had contact with before, its immune system is not strong enough to deal with it. So then you have a virus that mutates. Then you have a human being dealing with these animals, and that virus actually comes into him. Then that, then that staffer leaves that place, gets on a plane, uh, touches every seat that he comes across, uh, sneezes or something, and then other people get the virus, and then they fly back to their continents and fly back to their states, and then you have an, a pandemic like the COVID-19. That's essentially where this thing comes from or, or what scientists are saying happened to let it spread across the world. Now, to give it, to give it a little perspective, I'm gonna give the numbers that the that the uh, world news has been given, according to the according to the news and to, according to our press, that glo- there are 303,000 global cases, and there are 24,000 national cases, as far as people that have the virus or, or that's been reported, because they said that they believe it's higher, but everybody's not reporting it. There are tw- globally there are 12,944 deaths. Nationally, just in America, there are 285 deaths. Now, if we understand this and put it in perspective mathematically from a percentage point of view, on a global level, the people that have been uh, classified that have the virus is just 0.00006% on a national, on a uh, global level. And the deaths make up 0.00000025%, which is a very small number. But, but, if, if you notice how we watch the news and, and everything gets so sensationalized, it'll make you think that everybody has it. And you run around scared to death, but it's very, it ain't even 1% of the people on the population of the planet Earth dying from this thing. But those are essentially the numbers and, and that will give a person essentially the ideas. Now, 
I think we need to look at this from what's the global response. How did how the governments respond to it, and what can we kind of predict that's going to take place? And I think that uh, Brother E is better equipped to break down the knowledge on that. Ah, okay. And Google Kwawati, y'all. More in a minute, I'm gonna give you a little bit from an article that I came across uh, in my MOI responsibilities that I want you to kind of comment on. But, um, you know, initially from the jump off of this, for me, it's been, I've been looking for the economic angle. Um, And it becomes, the more I listen to the pundits and the big wigs and all these folks in in DC and whatever uh, on Wall Street and all, it becomes more and more clear. After the whole uh, 08 meltdown, the Great Recession, all of that, um, one of the things that happened from that was that the middle class got smaller. And I think something fundamental about this society, the politics and the economics of the society that we should understand is that the really big wigs, the one percenters, the point one percent, all of those folks have to have a buffer between them and those that don't have, which is what the middle class serves as, always has. But as we watch, each time there's this recession or or this big, you know, bank goes under, bailout, all of this. The middle class shrinks, 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 not because the middle class people are moving up into the upper class, the upper echelons of the economic spectrum, but because they're moving down. So the lower class gets bigger, the small, the, the middle class continues to shrink, and the truly upper class continues to get richer. And so as I'm looking at the way they're approaching this and handling this, they're still going back and forth, politics as usual, trying to decide what this, what each stage of this stimulus package, bailout, save your behind, whatever you want to call it, uh, legislation is supposed to be. There are really two aspects economically that are being addressed. There are, there are industry after industry after industry that's asking to be bailed out. They're lining up constantly from, you know, the retail sector to, you know, the uh, um, uh, cruise ship, the uh, travel industry, the AMC. I saw the CEO of AMC, the movie theaters, talking about how all of their movie theaters are closed. They need some type of help. Um, casinos have been trying to get some type of bailout. So every sector, restaurants, you know, all of these uh, sectors, in the past, you know, you had bailouts for banks. You know, you had bailouts for insurance company, whatever. It was a particular sector. This is across multiple industries, which lets you know it's going to be much bigger. But the the, the cats in D.C. are not arguing over giving them money, bailouts, to help them out. What they're going back and forth over is how much and even if they're going to send anything to us. So the holdup, once again, is is or the hold up at this point is is addressing our needs, which everything they put out there has been funny at best anyway. But bailing out the top end is not a, a sticking point. It's not an argument for for any of the folks or any of the conversations that I've been watching. It's uh, uh, turning into the whole. Uh, 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 income or wealth redistribution, once again, taking a whole bunch of that money and giving it to the upper echelons once again. This time it's going to be much worse because there's so much more uh, at stake. You know, uh, everybody's talking about the length of the recession, no longer even talking about if it's going to be a recession, but how long the economic impacts of this are all going to last. And as that middle class continues to shrink, if the middle class, you know, uh, uh, hypothetical situation, yeah, it could never happen. If the, hypoth- if the uh, uh, middle class disappears, with the upper echelon, the upper class, they still need a buffer 
between themselves and the have-nots, even more so of a buffer between themselves because now you've got so many more people uh, and, and so much more rage and so much uh, more poverty and, and stress on that lower class that you've got to have a much stronger buffer. And that's where you get your military aspects coming in because that's the only other uh, aspect of the society that could step in and provide any type of buffer, which is actually their job anyway, not serve and protect, but patrol, patrol and control and to maintain civility so that uh, businesses can, can continue to function. So what, but what I wanted to ask with, you know, just some of that in mind, even just the possibility, not that anybody's convinced, don't want you to be convinced, just think about it from a different perspective, you know. Um, but with that in mind, uh, War, I wanted to read, there's this article that I came across um, from this uh, cat that, that lives in Italy, and it kind of describes what, at least initially or up until this point, had been going on. Um, and mind you, <laughs> just an idea of exactly how well all of this works, Italy's been on complete lockdown for, I don't know, a, a week or so, but yet their cases continue to rise. You know, everybody's off the street, people are standing on their balconies clapping or singing or whatever, but nobody's mixing with anybody else, but the number of deaths continues to rise. So I want to read right. to you, and, and then I have a couple of questions uh, for you um, in regards to what I'm going to read. Um, so, again, this is from a dude in one of the harder-hit areas, uh, Veneto or, or something along those lines, in Italy. Um, it says that the restrictions came upon us slowly but steadily. Within two weeks, our old lives were gone. First, the schools closed. Then came social distancing. Then the government locked down the hardest-hit areas. No more going in and out of certain, certain provinces. Limited movements within the, quote-unquote, red zone. Then the whole country shut down. Most stores closed their doors. People who could were asked to telework. Those who could not and did not have a job related to the continuation of essential services were placed on part-time schedules or on unpaid leave. When we went out, we had to carry a pass, explaining our reasons for being outside to show to the law enforcement officers patrolling the streets. The, the priority became keeping everyone inside at all times. So war. You're in, you're in uh, California, who's been on lockdown, I guess, the longest of, of any uh, of the states, which now it's, it's three, four now, because Louisiana, California, uh, New York, uh, Illinois, and now Louisiana uh, has, has uh, declared lockdown, uh, shelter in place. And, and I saw some information about the, some folks in Dallas that were petitioning the, the governor to basically lock them down. Um, so I wanted to ask you, being in California and being that you, as far as I guess the three of us, and I'm guessing anybody that's listening, maybe I don't, maybe somebody else uh, may have more experience, but you being the most experienced in this situation, um, living there in California, what is it you're seeing? Where in that, that process uh, or that, that paragraph where he's breaking down the step-by-step the, the -step kind of framework for what's going on, where are you seeing um, in terms of the, both the, the government, uh, meaning the police and that sort of thing, as well as the people's response to it, where do you see you all existing right about now? All right, well, let me start out by saying what happened, and the way it, it happened here is right a Thursday evening, probably around, I want to say, 6 o'clock is, is when um, they announced, the governor announced here in the in, uh, in state of California, that he was going to do a shelter in place, and that all non-essential businesses um, should should close down, um, and basically everyone should, you know, only go out to deal with getting your gas, getting your groceries, or anything that is, uh, you know, essential to to quote unquote life. But at that point, for you to stay indoors and allow us, you know, allow us to get it, stay ahead, basically is how they was putting it, stay ahead of the virus and get to the point to where we're able to, um, it, it, for the virus to reside. Now, that took place on Thursday. A lot of people didn't really grasp or get the information, and, and, it, and it hit us kind of blindsided. So myself included, a lot of us still went to work on Friday. 
When we went to work on Friday, we found out a lot of the businesses were basically, you know, the heads of the businesses and, and uh, corporations and so forth were meeting up and deciding how they was going to deal with, the, you know, your, your, your time card and, and, and paying you out and, you know, dealing with the indefinites of, of how this lockdown is going to affect the businesses, close their doors, lay off the employees, this and that. And so I fell in that in that category. So as of you know, as of, of Friday, I'm laid off. Now the deal about that is, right now it's still because this is our first weekend, basically being in this situation. A lot of people, weirdly enough to me, are taking it like a vacation. In fact, I haven't seen a lot of people. Obviously, a lot of people are not going to work, but in places of like, for instance, the the, the beaches some of the parks, the nature trails, you have a lot, it seems like you have more people out here now than you have before this, this COVID-19. So it's almost as if folks are just basically trying to self-medicate themselves in, in, in a sense of dealing with where, they, where are we headed and what's going on. So I just, I just came back from being out in the woods myself, and I see, I've seen more people out there in the woods now than I've ever seen, which is crazy. So I think it's kind of just it still hasn't sunk in yet as to the severity of this situation. In fact, I, I have seen a larger police presence, and they're going around and they're and, and they're kind of getting on that speaker and trying to tell people, you know, hey, go inside or you know, they're they're just basically beefing up their presence right now, trying to force or coerce the idea that you should be indoors. They hadn't started implementing um, a heavy hand yet, but I believe that's going to come next week. And the deal is, is again, the majority of us, um, some people started getting laid off early as last week, um, in the week before, but for most of us, it it just really started hitting this past week. So I would say a week from now, when you start moving into that two to three week factor to where folks are, you know, living paycheck to paycheck or getting hit, that's when I think it's going to start moving into the phase of, of, of realization and it's getting real. Right now, the first weekend, people are kind of like seeming like they're maybe trying to get, you know, get to do things that they hadn't been doing because they've been working or finding ways to relieve themselves. I see more people out jogging now. I see more people out exercising. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of weird right now. It's almost like folks are not, are not quite believing what's actually happening. I think it's going to end up here real soon, within the next week, it's going to move into that phase that, okay, shit done really got bad, and things ain't going back to normal. And as other states start going on lockdown, and then we move toward this national lockdown, which is what I think is going to happen, then I think that's when you're going to be dealing with um, more police presence. We have seen, and I I am getting reports of people seeing, like, military vehicles uh, here and there. I haven't seen any buildup of anything, but keep in mind, I live in San Diego, and San Diego is basically nothing but a big naval military operation as it applies. So it's hard to distinguish that in terms of, you know, they're not, they're not in the neighborhoods yet, but it's super easy to deploy the military out here in San Diego. I do think that's going to come to come to pass, but at this stage of the game right now, the police are just simply beefing up their presence, and there's, because most jobs are shutting down, uh, and, and one thing I thought I thought was funny, more so here in California, one of the essential businesses is uh, pet supplies, by the way. Pet supply stores are, are, are still going, still going on, just like the grocery stores. So um, <laughs> people, it hadn't set in yet. It hadn't set in yet, but it's getting there. And like I said, police well, presence are beefing up. And I think it's going to come to a point where you're going to have situations and encounters between the police and the community. And that's what I'm. That's what I'm kind of like uh, bracing for, and seeing how we deal with that. So, well, let me ask you this, and, and I've got another question behind it. But you mentioned a while ago how you were caught blindsided when you went to work, and and all of that. What what type of industry are you in, um, and why is it significant that you going into work, and 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 not being allowed to work? You know, why, explain to me how that, you know, significant in, in, in kind of describing what's going on. Okay. Uh, the, the best example to give with that is the way it is worded in terms of shelter in place. 
from the standpoint of companies, corporations in, in particular, it is best that they comply from the standpoint of if you force your employees to go to work and do non-essential business when someone could potentially be affecting someone else, now you got lawsuits coming out. So there's no justification for going against what the governor has put out if your business is non-essential. And then the cascading effect behind that is, for instance, if all of the businesses that you support or that you depend on in order for you to do your production, for you to do whatever you do, are shutting down, then it does not leave any room for you to even have an opinion on the situation and try to keep up and going, which was a situation that we faced. Because we, but doing, you, uh, without getting, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, without specifically saying, getting into what I deal with, I'm in. I'm a field service. I'm in the Department of Field Service Technician. So dealing with electrical work, dealing with revenue systems. But the thing about that is, is, is revenue system based. That's not really an essential business. It's essential in terms of businesses need to always be account be accountable of their revenue and how they're generating their revenue. But at the same time, that is not an essential life preserve like group grocery stores are like fire department, like uh, water. water company, like your electric company, anything that's basically essential to supporting life is, is what they're talking about. They are basically supposedly <laughs> working on the back end in terms of finding ways to compensate business, business owners, to compensate corporations in terms of having, having to shut down for the sake of, you know, uh, of preventing corona, coronavirus from, from spreading out. So that's kind of what corporations and businesses are depending on right now is, is, is on what is the government going to do? What are they going to do to benefit us? Because they've basically been talking about all these different bailout packages and things that they're going to do. And since the, this wave is hitting not just the United States but a global thing, they're basically you know, riding on the fact that, hey, at some point we're going to be able to return. At some point we're going to be able to get back to the way business was. So a lot of the people that are being laid off are not being fired. They're simply being laid off because the industry itself has to be shut down. And so we fell into that category. So the deal is, is if there's no customer, customer base that you can serve because they've shut down, then it's a cascading effect. And it, it, affects, your, it affects your ability to move and, and make operations how, how feasible because everybody that, that you support or supports you is in the same position. So I'm a I'm a I'm a uh, see is the la- the last time I recall and, and there may have been others and I just don't remember it but I guess the biggest the one that made the big brouhaha the big uh, uh, issue that everybody was upset about um, or it became an issue because people were upset about it uh, when a city was locked down like officially militarily locked down um, was um, the uh, Katrina. When all of that was going on behind that, um, is that a scenario that could, you know, you mentioned uh, people getting pissed off and, and things going on in the street and whatnot. Um, is that a potential uh, a path to where now that the National Guard has been deployed in a couple of places, that tempers could flare, people get irritated? You know how folks do, you, you know, lashing out because we'll lash out at the police from time to time um, and if that happens enough then they'll, they'll elevate it um, if, if uh, poor folks start you know robbing businesses and whatnot they'll, they'll get elevated real quick bringing in the military and whatnot um, and one of the aspects that goes along with that is the shutting down of the media so once that begins to happen you know you don't get any information out of it you just get hearsay and this and that and whatnot um, but is that a potential scenario and if it is, um, because, I mean, my, my, my position is whether corona is real or whether it's not, you know, I, I, I don't doubt that it's real because I've, I've talked to people that have uh, um, uh, not necessarily firsthand, but, you know, they know somebody that's in the midst of dealing with it. But it becomes an excuse at some point to do something else. So my, my, my thrust is what now? So what? I don't care if it was man-made or not. It's the fallout that we have to deal with, the, the ongoing developing situation 
And is that, so my question, I guess, is is that type of scenario, you know, having multiple multiple uh, New Orleans, you know, right after Katrina, that, that state of, of, of lockdown, having that happen multiple places across the country, possibly entire states, possibly the entire country, because that's been put on the table and, and questioned. And I know from my experience, when they start talking about it, it's because they've already laid out the plans to do it. Um, so is that something that you see or psych? Is that something that, that, that is a possibility? You know, because at this point, there are over a billion people worldwide or around a billion people worldwide that are in some type of lockdown mode, shelter in place, like whatever you want to call it, a billion people. That's a lot of people. You know, so yeah. is, is that type of scenario, you know, the whole Katrina and, and you know, the, the, the Humvees and tanks in the street and, you know, what some of us grew up, you know, God, my mother messed me up. But watching those types of videos and, and, and watching those news stories over the years, even, you know, coming up that way, is that a scenario that has a possibility? I mean, is there groundwork that you're seeing or hearing? And, and you know, could it be? Well, let me let me let me jump on this first site before, and then I, I I'll let you have a uh, say so. And I do want to say that it, right. uh, one of the things I, I did not mention is that I did see uh, I did mention that it was I saw escalation of police presence. I also saw an escalation of police and security presence in the, a lot of these so-called essential places of business. Firsthand, I've seen people fight over toilet tissue. Don't quite get that, but I've seen people fight over toilet tissue. I've seen security guards. Uh, question folks walking into their businesses, you know, looking mean, going up and down, whereas before I didn't even see security officers at these locations. Now a lot of the businesses are hiring security guards and, and I'll do the police officers for the sake of ramping up to deal with a lottery. I've heard of cases of homeless people running in the stores, grabbing something and running back out. In fact, I've heard one, one situation that happened here in San Diego where it was kind of a horde of them that just rushed in real quick, did a grab and snatch, and rushed out. And then next thing you know, of course, they, 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 uh, they hired several security guards to deal with that. So it's already taken a toll to the point to where people are feeling antsy and feeling scared because they're not seeing the things that they normally come to depend on in the grocery stores. When grocery stores got to get to a point to where they're running out of eggs, Water and milk, on you know on a, on a norm, people start panicking. So the fact that they're not able to get their, their you know get their fix, I'm gonna say, on a daily basis, it creates a level of panic, and that panic is intensified with the fact that you get laid off. Intensified with the fact that you don't know how your next check is gonna come, because it's it's one thing to be laid off on a job in terms of uh, uh, dealing with a recession because we're on the, uh, some type of economic strike. But the recession that we're, we're, we're going into right now has to do or backed with, coupled with the concept of it's a forced recession. And a forced recession basically means that it ain't about you getting laid off here and then going to look for another job there. Because, again, all of these businesses are shutting down, period, as a precaution. So since we're dealing with a precautionary shutdown, we're dealing with a calculated forced recession. And that forced recession is going to get the best of most people. And so as a result of that, knowing how population and knowing how people would naturally, and it's natural for people to finally get to a point to where, hey, they're going to start bopping each other over the head because they don't hide. If your next door neighbor has something and you ain't got it, you know, it's pride going, you know, going to get you at first, but it's going to come to a point of survival. And when it comes to a point That's of survival, exactly. yeah, and when it comes to a point of survival, then how do you address it? And when we're talking about whole communities and whole cities in a in a situation of of force force uh, stress in terms of not being able to hire. Because keep in mind, right now you had this big influx of everybody going to the grocery stores and hoarding. Well, even now, if you were to go to the grocery store, they're, they're starting to replenish some of their stock. This time next week, I think the grocery stores may well, you know, may well be able, back to the point to where they had everything in stock. But people are not going to be able to hoard anymore because they don't have the money no more. 
So what do you do when you get to a position where you bought up a whole lot of shit that you probably didn't need like toilet paper, and then next thing you know, two weeks later, now you can't afford to go buy them eggs that you ran and ran out of. And then your next-door neighbor dealing with the same thing. See, it starts getting real. And when this gets to that point, it's not only just the negative element in the community that normally does a robbing and stealing. Now you're going to have the people on that grind simply because they have no choice. So the influencer and the perspective or the, per, or the perception of those people that did do that kind of stuff for a living is going to be able to take a front seat in terms of getting your ear. Yo, man, how do you make it? Now people are going to be out to want to listen to the homeless people more and see how they survive, how they strive, how they make it. So now those, it's, uh, it takes on a whole different mentality, a whole different persona, and a whole different direction in terms of how people deal with day-to-day life. That opens up the position to where you have to bring in the National Guard. You have to increase your police presence because you're going to be dealing with a population that, again, is so codependent on the previous circumstances, on the, the goods and the needs and the wants all being coupled together and it being all easy to deal with, that people are going to be forced in a position to where they're going to be willing to do things that may be a little bit illegal, so to speak, or things that may be on the borderline of, 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 of morality. So when that kicks in, what you have to do at that point to offset it is have some type of presence in place to deter and to eradicate that behavior. So I do see this getting to that point if things, again, continue the way they are because it's, well, you have no choice. Yeah, because, I mean, things haven't even gotten bad. I was just going to say things nope. haven't even gotten bad. <clears throat> so I see a lot that's of because you at this, you're still at that point to where people are, like I said, people are right. Some folks are right at two weeks now without pay. In the next week, it's going to be a lot more people at a point to where they don't went that two weeks without pay. A week from now, yeah. the third and fourth weekend, you're talking about people that have went a month without pay that have never had to do that any time in their life, mind you. So I'm not talking about your average person that don't know how to keep a job. I'm talking about people like myself who has never been laid off on a job. See, that's, it's, 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 a, it's a different mentality when you've been in a situation where your your expertise has always been in demand and you've been able to, you know, navigate super easy because of, of a certain career path. But now if that career path don't fall in that essential, then you ass out. So, again, right, that codependency starts hitting mm. home. Go ahead, Sike. Mm. Yeah, basically what I was going to say, I was going to go back to what you were talking about, about the stores running out of stuff like toilet paper, eggs, and milk, and this is people's irrational response to this to this to this uh threat. People created this uh this uh, 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 uh this lack of toilet paper in the stores. Now distributors have toilet paper. They're putting them on trucks and they're sending them to the stores. But people are are acting with irrationality and they're buying all the toilet paper to the point where Dallas, Texas just had to create a, a stipulation that you can only buy a twelve pack per person of toilet paper. Because people buying all the toilet paper, this is that's just there's no that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever to think that you have to have a thousand rolls of toilet paper. But people have uh, have started creating the panic, and not only that, but if you understand economics, then you understand that value comes through scarcity. So if you are buying up all the toilet paper, all the milk, all the eggs, then what you're doing is you're creating a a a, 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 a situation. Where the, where the store owner is able to raise the price of milk, raise the price of eggs, raise the price of toilet paper, and people are going to pay it because they ain't had eggs, toilet paper, or milk in so long. They're willing to pay these high expenses for, the, for these basic goods that didn't need to be uh, 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 scarce in the first place if people wouldn't have, wouldn't have responded with that, uh, with that irrationality. People wouldn't respond like that. Now you couple that with the fact that people are, people are not going to work. People are basically laid off without pay, and you have higher rates, you have higher uh, 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 expenses. Then, as Wall said, yes, you're going to see that. You're going to see these issues. You're going to see these problems. And and I truly believe that you're going to go to a nationwide lockdown. Honestly, I think they should have been did it. 
if if the corona scare is really as serious as they say it is, I think they should have been and did the nationwide lockdown and got rid of the threat instead of constantly prolonging it and, and waiting and waiting. And that's just simply because most people don't know how to deal with a lockdown. And I think a lot of these states are trying to keep people from panicking, which they're already doing, which they're already doing. When, when this first took place and when it first became a big thing, I went into Walmart to do my regular shopping, and people was walking around with two carts full of toilet paper. What, like what just said, water toilet paper, or like the guy I seen on the news talking about what they're putting in, in the place in Dallas. He said this is going to be the weirdest uh, press conference I've ever done because I've never, I've never spent so much time talking about toilet paper. It's insane. What is does toilet paper cure the coronavirus? What the hell is going on with the, where they want all the toilet paper and all the eggs? You know what but, I'm saying? Go ahead. And that lets me know the fact that they haven't gone into a full lockdown type of situation is just more evidence to the fact that this is about economics and population control. You know, they they don't want this to unfold too quickly. They need right. for the economic engine because, I mean, New York, New York, that's the center of the economic universe, you know, Everything goes through North Korea, Paris, London, everywhere around the world goes through New York. So with New York being an epicenter, you know, it has got to be a gradual uh, gradation of, of, of this, this happening or you run the risk of things actually getting out of control because, again, it's about economics for them and the redistribution of this income so have or, or, of this wealth. So, you know, having it unfold beyond some level of control is not to their benefit, but with all that being said, this is my question to both of y'all and to anybody that, you know, has anything that, that might be listening that wants to, to say something about it. My question is, so what? Now what you going to do? You know, it's, the virus is here. You, you, uh, some of us have lost, lost jobs. Hell, I, I lost one job, got another job, lost that job. I ain't never did that before, so that's some new shit for me. But um, <laughs> but um, at this point, you know, it, in my head, it's like I'm really having to fight off the urge to send out emails and dig up people's phone numbers and whatnot and, and, and say, told you so, you know, because <laughs> this is what we've been saying. And, and I want to say that also as I ask that question, that this is not, you know, you see a lot of sensationalism and, and fear-mongering from, from, from mainstream media and all this. This is not – at all what any of us are trying to do. Uh, and I'm speaking, I think I can say this for me and, and War and, uh, and Sykes all together, that this is not an attempt to uh, uh, create some irrational fear to stoke the flames of fear and people freaking out and whatnot, because we've been talking about this for the past 25 years at least, you know, um, some of us longer than that. But it is something that has to be addressed because this may well be the black community, when I say the black community, I mean the cellmates, I mean the cats that just got out of prison, I mean the, 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 the doctors, the teachers, the attorneys, black folk as a community, in our minds, because you're still black no matter, you know, you, you be a, a, an attorney or, or, or a politician or a doctor or whatever, still get pulled over and get harassed. That's easily proven. There are many cases of that going down. Um, black police officers getting harassed by other police officers in other cities and whatnot. But so when I say black community, I mean all of us, and this is an attempt to, I don't know, to, to, to grab black folks by the shoulders and say, wake the fuck up. Look at what's going on. It's falling apart. Matter of fact, Dr. King even lamented over the not too long, not too long before his death, he lamented over, you know, the idea that maybe he had encouraged and led his people to joining in on a sinking ship, and that was back in the 60s. So, again, having put this out there and talked about it for, for so long, it's not an attempt to scare anybody. It's an attempt to, to shake folk by the shoulders, the black community, and say, you know, y'all got to do something. We got to do something. Because I'll tell you, I'm about well, two or three more states getting locked down, and I'm going to start shutting people out. Don't come to my house. Don't come over here. Don't step in my yard. I don't want to talk to nobody. You know, they get a couple of more states locked down, and I'm locking this down. You know, not because I'm scared of corona and all of that, but 
I know better, and I've seen this coming. And, and so, this is, again, this is not something to scare anybody, but to, to get us to have this conversation that white people have, you know, for some reason we still don't have it, even when it's staring, staring us in our face, we don't have the conversation about what is about to, no, what is happening because we still, you know, we're still codependent on the government. So psych war and anybody else that wants to, 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 to press one and say something, what now? What we going to do? What y'all going to do? I got my plan. I'm in place. I'm good. But what are we as either individuals or those of us who are parts of organizations or got homies in the hood or whatever it is, you know, what is it the plan going to be? What are we going to do? Is there anything that can be done? Is it too late? Because I've said for a long time that black folks are not going to be the ones that spearhead this, this coming apart in this country. You know, I said for, for years, we're not going to be at the forefront. It's going to happen. We're going to be around, but we're too disunited, dysfunctional, dis, 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 to really be effective in spearheading any type of, of restructuring, rebuilding revolution uh, in this country that will, our best bet is to batten down the hatches and, and prepare for the tsunami that's at our doorstep now. So what y'all got to say on that? Well, let me say this. Let me, let me say this. First off, what this basically is and what we're describing, going back to what we said about about the concept of codependency, is and, one of the, and, and emphasizing what E, just breaking it down, what E talked about, say we've been talking about for the you know, past 25 years, has to do with the concept of, call, of domestication. What we're dealing with now, and that's that codependency I'm bringing back, back to the forefront, the domestication in, in terms of how we have allowed ourselves to be governed by the masses or by the, the, the so-called elites or the power structure has been in a position to where we were not capable or not even concerned about being in control of our own. So we enjoyed the benefits of being domesticated, so to speak. We enjoyed the benefits of being that pet, not having to worry about where his meal going to come from because they know mass is going to be able to give them that meal. Well, now shit done hit the fan because guess what? Masters can no longer afford to feed their pet, which is why I thought it was funny that the pet store is open. So with that being said, whether we like it or not, we are about to be pushed. We are being pushed into a situation toward a domesticated human being is going to have to find a new reality. So those of us that survive this are going to be in a new reality. Go ahead, somebody else will say something. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask you, uh, how does a person uh, chime in to the conversation? Press one. Press one. Yeah, because I think some, I think some people have some uh, some uh, something to say on the conversation. They just don't know how to do it, how to go about the process. That's a really easy process. Give me the last Press two one. digits, and I can put them in. If we know, if you know right off. Oh, oh that number? Yeah, the yeah. number, last two digits. 69. Looking at, okay. All right, let, like me bring that in. <laughs> let me bring that in. Let me bring Carla in, in the 7269. Are we getting fucked? Yeah, we got a 69. All right. Go ahead, 7269. You're going to have fun. Go ahead, Carla, you in. Okay, um, so I'm calling out of Colorado. I um I was listening to the conversation, and I'd like to speak to the irrational behavior that is occurring. It was mentioned about the the tissue, um, and that's on a smaller scale. Yes, of course, we need tissue, uh, and and the point being even even a larger one, with individuals going out and purchasing large quantities of medical supplies that impact those on the front lines. Um, and so if we have enough health care workers down, then eventually the health care system will fail and we won't be able to be cared for should we eventually, um, you know, be impacted by the coronavirus. So I don't even know that the coronavirus is necessarily uh, the most risk currently it's more the panic that's occurring behind this um and and individuals actions behind their irrational thought process 
if they have the funds, um, and and I'm primarily speaking, you know, to those black folks that are going going out and buying a bunch of tissue and a bunch of supplies. If you have a couple of hundred extra dollars, go out and buy a 3D machine. The governor of New York has offered any organization, any persons, any people to come up with a method to create masks. They have lost um, access to suppliers for masks on a large scale, and they need it. And they're expecting that, you know, that they're going to see an increase in patients over the next few months. So if you're looking to make some extra money and you're having to sit in the house because you've been quarantined, do something with yourself. Order a 3D machine. Stop buying all these things in the in the uh, store. Tissue is going to be resupplied in the grocery stores. And use your time and your energy and put it towards something useful and make yourself a business during this time. Google how to set up an online um, you know, portal for people to order your supplies. Learn these um, uh, these independent business strategies right now and use your, your time to be productive. Uh, and that would be my, my encouragement to those, uh, you know, black folks that are just losing it out there and just wondering what to do with my time, and they don't have a job anymore. So be productive and create a business. So, so that's, so that's my advice. No, don't, don't go away, though. Don't go away. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> brother, I have a, a couple of questions. First of all, the, the print thing, that's, that's, that's outstanding. I wish I had gotten that instead of the t- stupid T-shirt machine. I'm sitting at the house making T-shirts now, so – you know, if, they, if there's other shortage of T-shirts, I got it covered. I'm good. But um, give me something to do yeah, while we all Yeah, you can get it on that. eBay. eBay has some for about $300. There's some on Craigslist uh, for, you know, $500, something like that. I, I have to wait for my, my uh, government stimulus check to get here. I, I'll get one of those. <laughs> but what I wanted to ask is, you being there in Colorado, we haven't heard a whole lot of news coming out of Colorado. Um, it, what What is it? I mean, aside from the, the I mean, I know the, the masks and everything, that's kind of a, uh, a nationwide thing that's going on. But in your lo- your locale, where you are, what what is it like? I know the weed sales have gone up. A lot of uh, uh, weed companies are uh, talking about that. Yeah, they're making more money, which makes sense. Um, yeah. yeah. I've thought about it myself. But but just what what are you seeing there on the ground, aside from the tissue and, and whatnot, um, what are you saying as far as is there a greater police presence? Are they talking about locking down? You know, what, um, what types of I things? I mean, I've heard it. No, I Colorado, I have not seen. Um, if anything, probably Colorado's not taking it as seriously as they should. Um, so you'll see. I have not seen more than one or two people with masks on. So, uh, hmm. but Colorado's not been hit hard either. So there's, you know, we're between like the three hundred to. 100 to 300 range, um, and so I'm just seeing it from the news of what's occurring. Our shelves have been wiped out, our shelves of, you know, the regular eggs and toilet tissue and stuff like that, but as far as um, uh, the panic, I guess, I mean, I suppose that they've, there's been fights in, like, do you think tissue is going to save you? I just don't get it. I, do you plan on selling this tissue supply or I mean, I guess I just don't understand the rationale if, if individuals are thinking through this, how they believe that this is going to help them. Like, it, long-term strategy, how does buying up all of these objects help you? Help you? I just um, – but, no, uh, we're, I'm not seeing a lot of that here in Colorado. I'm seeing it more elsewhere, and um, I think I'm being impacted because I can't travel. Um, so – I, I didn't really need to, you know, I didn't, companies are closing their doors and having um, folks work from home. I was already in that situation just because I already had my own business, so it wasn't, there was no change for me. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think that they're just, you know, going along. I don't I don't think that there's any changed behavior here in Colorado much. Got it. And, um, we, we're down to, like, actually 30 seconds. So this is one of those situations and topics where we're going to have to get into having another show on so that we can get into more of the aspects of the show. Um, so, and, and last things I want to go ahead and bring out, and, and Brother E, back, you're back on. 
Last thing I want to bring out yeah, is yeah. the way we got to look at things now, like I said, is new levels of dealing with domestication. This is going to force us to come out of our shell, to come out of the process in terms of the way life has been treated the domesticated animal, and we're gonna have to we're gonna have to just come clean. So this is a new time we're facing. All power to people. Yes. All power. All power. <laughs>